This is Green Room On Air with Ray Renati, your first stop for entertainment. When you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes. What a wacky world we're living in. What a crazy, crazy world. I um, have been uh, emotionally all over the place with the virus and the other virus called racism and our response to it, which is quite something, uh, both on a, uh, a governmental level and a personal level, uh, how each of us responds to it is quite telling. Uh, I have to say that I think the most despicable thing that's happened recently is uh, Trump's lambasting of this poor 75-year-old man, this Catholic protester who um, was pushed by the police in, where was it, Buffalo, New York? Or I'm not sure. I think it was Buffalo. Um, fell on the back of his head and was bleeding out of his ear, which means he had um, some sort of traumatic brain injury, possibly uh, swelling on the brain. And another cop went to go help him, and uh, the, the cop, who I guess was in charge, pulled pulled him off of the guy. And then, if you see a longer version of the video, there was nobody even in front of them. There was nobody attacking them. There were just a few people on bicycles and a few people walking around. There was no reason for that whatsoever. And even if there was, to leave the guy lying there like that. And was he a threat? Oh, my God, no. And then, okay, this is what really topped it off for me. Trump today tweeted or retweeted some BS story, which I heard was started by some Russian reporter for this News One agency, that this guy was a, a member of Antifa, whatever Antifa is. That's going to be Trump's new uh, whistleblowing extravaganza for his followers, Antifa. My God. As if Antifa, even if it did exist as an organization, which it doesn't, it does not exist as an organized organization. It's nothing, it has nothing to do with the Democratic Party. Nothing. So the whole thing is a bunch of bullshit, as usual, because only bullshit comes out of his mouth. You might as well just be puking it. So, um, yeah, I guess you can see how I feel about that. Anyway, um, now lately... I have been watching Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. Uh, I just finished season two last night. Oh my gosh. Now, if if you haven't gotten on the hand, Handmaid's Tale bandwagon, you need to do it. You need to get Hulu or you need to steal Handmaid's Tale from the internet or something. Don't tell anyone I told you to do that, but you need to watch Handmaid's Tale. It is quite triggering, though, if you're an emotionally difficult place, if you are in an emotionally difficult place. So, uh, just a warning. But uh, Elizabeth Moss is a very special actor in so many ways. Her facial expressions are amazing. Uh, she is able to convey her feelings and her thoughts through her eyes into the camera in a way rivaled only by maybe Kevin Spacey at his height. Uh, who else? Um, Meryl Streep, uh, Al Pacino in uh, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. We're talking that kind of level of acting. It's quite extraordinary. The thing that really has blown me away with Handmaid's Tale 
is the uh, the novel ori- originally written by Elizabeth Moth. Jesus. <clears throat> Margaret Atwood. Elizabeth Moss did not write the novel. She's the main actor in the show. Margaret Atwood in 1985, I believe, is a dystopian story about uh, repression of women in in, in in a dictatorial fascist country. Now, Margaret Atwood took aspects of all sort of despotic uh, governments throughout our uh, time and sort of took pieces of all of them, all the worst parts of them, and put them into this one despotic government, uh, which makes up the world of The Handmaid in The Handmaid's Tale. I won't tell you much more than that because I don't want to blow it for you, but what I find extremely interesting is how all these dystopian TV shows um, that started in 2016, 2017, when Trump was about to take the reins as president of our country or had just taken the reins, and how artists uh, such as uh, TV writers and producers and directors uh, were able to use their imagination to create a world that actually sort of resembles what's going on right now. Now, I will say that the world of The Handmaid is much more difficult than our world here in the United States, but we're sort of headed that way. And I'm not saying we're going to get there because it's quite awful, this world of The Handmaid. (laughs) Um, But the similarities are uncanny. And I find it fascinating how artists are able to use their imagination to sort of project into the future. And they seem to be prescient in so many ways. Uh, And you see this again and again. I mean, there are so many dystopian TV shows on now that all started when Trump became president. Uh, I think people who were aware uh, realized that we just voted in a madman, basically. And when you vote in a madman, you uh, are inviting um, chaos. And so the United States now is approaching the closest thing to chaos in my lifetime, I think. I grew up during Vietnam, and when I was a child, I, I watched people being blown up and dead bodies being thrown into the back of trucks in Vietnam, and I watched protests on TV and fire hoses being squirted at protesters and, and all these things. But I have to say what's going on right now with, with um, the pandemic of the virus and the pandemic of misinformation and the, the protests and police aggression uh, might be worse than what I witnessed when I was a child. Yeah. Um, so I never thought that I would see that again, honestly. I never thought that I would, or I never thought that I would see anything that rivaled it or was worse, and now I have. Um, I found a really interesting web page on a website called uh, Mental Floss. Uh, Mental Floss has an article that was written in uh, July 31st, two thousand. 18. It's called 10 Fascinating Facts About the Handmaid's Tale by Scott Beggs. I thought I would just go through some of these with you. Um, well, the first one's kind of fun. The author had a cameo in the first episode. Uh, the author of 
the novel Margaret Atwood, which I think is kind of cool. Um, this I find fantastic. So the actors who play the handmaids have to rely on listening to their 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 fellow handmaids uh, when when they're talking to one another, when they're walking down the street, um, when they're standing side by side, because they wear these wings to cover the sides of their faces so people can't see them because they're sort of non-humans in the way they're treated. And they can't see each other either. And they have to act without seeing the person they're acting with. Very often they cannot see the face of their scene partner. And, uh, it has uh, been a lesson, apparently, to the, the, the ladies who play the handmaids in the show. Um, yeah. So Moss, I think she was quoted as saying, uh, I think it was her, what was actually a hindrance became quite a helpful vehicle for a new way of acting. No, that, was, um, that wasn't Moss. That was Anne Crabtree, who's the costume designer. So she designed those costumes, causing the actors to... Learn a new way of acting. And it's great because part of acting is listening, a big part of acting. And so if you can't see the person for a long period of time, you better be listening and you better be reacting to what you're hearing. And that's a great acting exercise in and of itself. Uh, And then to have to do it in an actual production is kind of cool. Now, the third thing uh, that is not widely known or fascinating facts about The Handmaid's Tale I like this one quite a bit. Amanda Brugel, who plays uh, Rita, she's a Martha in the world of The Handmaid. Marthas are basically maids to the rich. Um, She wrote a thesis uh, for her college uh, entrance exam on uh, the character of Rita in The Handmaid's Tale. And it was such a good thesis, it awarded her a scholarship. And now she is playing Rita in The Handmaid's Tale. I was watching a video interview of the cast the other day, and she's also a Canadian um, a Canadian citizen. I believe the whole show is shot, or most of the show is shot in Toronto. I find it interesting that Elizabeth Moss often does most of her best acting outside of the United States. I saw her, though, on Broadway in the Wendy Wasserstein uh, play a couple years ago. In the Heidi Chronicles, which is uh, one of the famous plays written by uh, uh, Miss Wasserstein, Um, and uh, Elizabeth was uh, outstanding in uh, in the lead role, of course. I always thought that play was uh, dated and really couldn't be done successfully anymore, and boy, was I wrong. They really figured out how to do it on Broadway. Um, But that's, that's, I'm getting off course here. I just wanted to say that. Uh, so let's see. The fourth thing, uh, Handmaid's Tale is the first streaming show to win an Emmy for outstanding drama. And that's saying something because regular television, broadcast television, cable television has dominated for many, many years now. And uh, this broke the mold in the, it's the first streaming only show that one, uh, the Emmy for Outstanding Drama. Uh, it's in um, a group of some incredible shows, The Sopranos, Homeland, which are both, uh, let's see, Sopranos is uh, HBO, Homeland is Showtime, Breaking Bad was uh, AMC, The West Wing, I think was, was that 
ABC or Fox? No, Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Netflix tried tried to, to win it uh, with House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, but it didn't happen. So, Hulu. Hoo, hoo, Hulu. Hoo, hoo, Hulu. <laughs> um, so, uh, Handmaid's Tale has a subtle Casablanca connection. The, uh, the character Nick played... Uh, by Max Minghella. Now, he's a great actor. Now, I have a little bit of trouble with how they're having him do this part. I hesitate to say it, but I'll just say it. He, um, He's supposed to be part of the, uh, the, the, the ruling class, as it were. But it's so obvious that he hates them with the expressions on his face. And no one ever seems to notice. So it just kind of seems weird to me. Uh, but maybe that's part of it, because... They seem to to be in a lot of denial about a lot of things in, in the world of the handmaid, the, especially the uh, the people in charge. So maybe they purposely don't see his unhappiness. <laughs> Let's just say. Um, but anyway, it's unclear here. It says in the article whether the connection was intentional. Bull that intentional that there that Nick is uh, connected in, in a subtle way to Casablanca, but that makes his name incredibly close to Casablanca protagonist Rick Blaine, played by Humphrey Bogart. Now, Nick, Nick's name is Nick Blaine in Handmaid's Tale. Both characters are initially seen as out for themselves before they reveal connections to the bad guys and ultimately aid the resistance. Ooh, that must be season three because... Uh, he sort of aided the resistance up until the end of season two. I guess he really aids it soon. Mm. Um, this is the 10th adaptation of the book. I remember when I was in college, or right out of college, actually, I remember the book was very popular. Uh, and, uh, and I remember that, that there was a stage version. I remember that. There was also an opera, a ballet, and a film in 1990, starring Natasha, Natasha Richardson and Faye Dunaway. Son of a gun. Um, seven, they changed one important aspect of the book to diversify the cast. Now, this is something, let me, let me just tell you. Um, there are African Americans in positions of power in the show, which I think is wonderful. I really do. However, it's hard for me to understand how these complete a-holes that run this country in the world of the handmaid would not be bigots. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to fit. It's like, of course they would be bigots. But uh, the producer of the TV show didn't want to exclude uh, African Americans from the cast because he felt it would be racist. So they changed the book. The book, in the book, uh, black people were outcast. But in the world of the handmaid, they are not. And I think that's great. It just is a little bit shocking and feels incongruous when you're, when you're watching the show. Because you think to yourself, how could these people, who are so hateful in so many ways, uh, embrace black people? Wouldn't, wouldn't they be total bigots? But the, uh, the producer, uh, Bruce Miller, couldn't imagine having such uh, a homogeneous cast with all whites. So... Um, his quote was, what's the difference between making a TV show about racists and making a racist TV show where you don't hire any actors of color? And I get where he's coming from, and uh, I'm used to it now, and I think it's really cool. It's just at first I was like, what? How is that possible? Okay, number eight, Margaret Atwood, the author of the book, 
doesn't consider it science fiction, and I love this. Um, the reason she doesn't consider it science fiction is uh, she's long considered the world called Gilead, the country called Gilead. That's what the Handmaid's world is called. She says this could happen under the right conditions anywhere in the world. Um, and all of the terrible things, as I said earlier, that have happened in, uh, in Gilead, uh, she took from other societies that have existed in history. Uh, and so there's nothing made up in the horrors that they inflict upon their people. Um, complacency is a central message of the show. I, fi- I find this fantastic, too. So let's see. This article was written... Uh, two years ago. And isn't that something? Uh, complacency is a central message of the show. And isn't that the problem that we're facing now and that we're trying to resolve with the Black Lives Matter and uh, the protests against police brutality and, and everything else? And, the, and actually, the, you know, the protests are also have economic uh, reasons for happening. And it's not just it's not just police brutality. There are a lot of other reasons, and people are finally deciding they're not going to be complacent anymore. And a central message of the show is that complacency gets us what we have now in Donald Trump and the Republican Party in the Senate, etc. And this was written two years ago, so I think that's quite prescient, as I said earlier. Um <laughs> The artwork in the uh, in the house of Commander Fred and Serena. Uh, now they are the people who, for all intents and purposes, own um, uh, Elizabeth Moth's character. Um, and the the wry touch is that they have copies of stolen of actual stolen artwork in the house, just as the Nazis in Nazi Germany stole the Jewish art and put it in their houses. So that's a little uh, little tidbit there. Anyway, I love this show, Handmaid's Tale. So it's so great. Another show I've been watching is um, Homeland, uh, second to the last season. I'm almost on the final season. It uh, has a lot of similar themes. It's also very prescient. Um, it's a little less uh, psych- psychologically intimidating, I would say. Handmaid's Tale is very intense. You feel as though you're getting into the mind of Offred slash Joy, the character that Elizabeth Moth plays. You feel like you are her because they do these incredible close-ups all the time. And her expressions are just overwhelming to the viewer. She's one of our best actors in the English language now, for sure. For sure. Elizabeth Moth. Elizabeth Moss. I will watch her... Uh, do anything. I will listen to her read the phone book. I don't care. If if, if bigamy were allowed, I'd, I'd marry her. <laughs> she probably wouldn't marry me. I'm old. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, the website is raisegreenroom.com. If you've made it this far, please, please, please go on to uh, iTunes and give me a, a fair rating. I would really appreciate that. Or just give me a comment on any platform you happen to be listening to, to this on. Uh, Spotify, uh, Podbean itself, uh, Stitcher, whatever. I'm on all of them, except iHeart, I believe. Uh, if you want to send me an email, you can send it to greenroomonair at, 
at gmail.com, greenroomonair at gmail.com. You can leave me a phone message at 650-318-1642. Yeah. Um, I hope you have a wonderful week. I am going to be interviewing some uh, some people, a couple of people from a theater company in Mexico that do all of their musicals online. And it was originally, originally they did them all through Smule, which is an online singing app, but they're going to be expanding. And I'm really looking forward to talking to them tomorrow. So that will be up before next Tuesday or by next Tuesday. I am going to make sure that I put out a, a, uh, a show every, at least every Tuesday from now on. Promise. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, I'm going to go watch episode one, season three, episode one of Handmaid's Tale right now. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. And until next time, I will see you on the boards. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>